Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Sunday, December 31st. Today we delve into the political landscape of Hong Kong in 2023, exploring major trials, HK $1 million bounties, and a district poll. And we'll also be discussing the rising political tensions in Serbia amid vote fraud protests. Plus, we'll examine the potential backlash of barring Trump from ballots as warned by Democrats and political experts. And look ahead to the grand test of democracy in South Asia in 2024 as more than a billion people prepare to head to the polls. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Hong Kong's political landscape has seen some significant shifts in 2023, including high-profile national security trials, bounties on fugitives, and an election with a record low turnout. Abby, our Asia correspondent, is here to give us some insights. Abby, what are the key takeaways from Hong Kong's political scene in 2023? Michael, the year was marked by a series of trials under the national security law, with 47 opposition figures facing charges. The verdict is not expected until March 2024. Media mogul Jimmy Lai also went on trial on charges relating to sedition and collusion with foreign forces. These trials have been seen as part of a broader crackdown on dissent in the city. There's also been a bounty placed on 13 activists, correct? Yes, authorities have offered $1 million bounties for information leading to the arrest of 13 activists, including former legislators Nathan Law and Ted High. This move has been condemned by some Western countries, including the UK and the US. Let's talk about the district council election. It's been reported that it had a record low turnout. What led to this? The district council election was held under new rules that only allow patriots to contest. Despite government efforts to encourage voting, the turnout was just 27.54%. The revamp saw the number of directly elected councillors slashed and no opposition candidates managed to gather the required support to contest the race. This has led to criticism that the changes are aimed at stifling opposition voices. What about the future? What can we expect in 2024? City authorities have vowed to press ahead with implementing Hong Kong's own national security law. There's also been talk of soft resistance, suggesting that the government sees national security threats as still present in the city. It's likely we'll see further tightening of control and potentially more trials under the national security law. It's a complex situation. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now let's turn our attention to Serbia, where political tensions are escalating amid allegations of election fraud. Abby, our correspondent on the ground, is here to give us some insights. Abby, what's the current situation in Serbia? Well, Michael, the situation is quite tense. Despite daily protests in the capital, Belgrade, the majority of people are staying home, with few believing they can make a difference. However, the pro-European opposition alliance Serbia Against Violence is still trying to spark public interest by resorting to drastic measures, including hunger strikes. Can you tell us more about these allegations of election fraud? What is the opposition claiming? The opposition alleges that President Aleksandar Vuc's party, the Serbian Progressive Party, won the parliamentary and local votes through massive fraud. They claim that the ruling party used vote-buying, voter intimidation, and widespread falsification of the electoral register to rig the election. The Center for Research, Transparency and Accountability, a Serbian watchdog, reported instances of multiple voters registered in a single apartment, among other irregularities. What has been the international response to these allegations, Abby? International response has been varied. 
while the German Federal Foreign Office called the events on Election Day unacceptable for an EU candidate country, the U.S. Ambassador to Serbia, Christopher Hill, struck a more conciliatory tone, expressing confidence in Serbia's democracy. However, the opposition is calling for more pressure on Vucic from abroad. And what about President Vucic himself? How has he responded to these protests? President Vucic has remained largely unfazed by the protests. He has ruled Serbia with an iron fist for more than six years, often appearing in daily TV monologues speaking about Serbia's economic successes and criticizing the opposition. He has accused the opposition of aiming to destabilize the country on behalf of Western states. So what's the outlook for these protests? Do they have a chance of achieving their aims? Political scientist Zoran Stojilkovic from the University of Belgrade suggests that success requires the synergy of three factors. Opposition cohesion, the energy and perseverance of the demonstrations, and pressure on Vucic from abroad. Currently, it doesn't appear the protests will achieve their aims. Observers suspect Vucic will send a sign of goodwill to the EU by repeating the election in Belgrade, but many suspect they haven't seen the end of election fraud. It's a complex situation indeed. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now let's shift our focus to the United States, where recent decisions in Maine and Colorado to bar former President Donald Trump from presidential primary ballots have sparked a debate within the Democratic Party. Abby, our political analyst, is here to shed some light on this issue. Abby, what can you tell us about this? Michael, this is indeed a contentious issue. While some Democrats see this as a necessary measure to protect democracy, others worry that it could further erode Americans' faith in U.S. elections. Washington Secretary of State Steve Hobbs, for instance, expressed his concerns about this, stating that removing Trump from the ballot could seem anti-democratic. That's interesting, Abby. So there's a fear that this could backfire and further polarize the country? Exactly, Michael. Stanford Law School professor Nate Persley has noted that we are walking in new constitutional territory here. He sees these ballot bans as happening amid a collapse of faith in the American electoral system. He also mentioned that our system is not equipped to deal with ambiguity at the moment. What about the voters? How are they reacting to this? There's a sense of unease among some Democratic voters. For instance, Dina Drewis and Aaron Bagley, both consistent Democratic voters, expressed ambivalence over such an extraordinary step. Bagley, in particular, voiced his conflict, stating that while it's hard to imagine Trump didn't engage in insurrection, he believes it should be up to the electorate. It seems like there's a lot of concern about setting a precedent here. Indeed, Michael. Some worry that this tactic could be used by red state officials to knock Democratic candidates off future ballots. There's also concern that these disqualifications could further poison the country's political divisions while giving Trump a new grievance to rail against. As Yasha Monk, a professor at Johns Hopkins University, put it, the only way to neutralize the danger posed by authoritarian populists like Trump is to beat them at the ballot box. While the issue of barring former President Donald Trump from presidential primary ballots remains complex with no easy solution, we now turn our attention to South Asia. Next year, four South Asian countries, Bangladesh, Pakistan, India, and Sri Lanka, are expected to head to the polls. This grand test for democracy will see nearly two billion people cast their ballots. Abby, our expert on South Asian politics, is here to discuss this. Abby, what are the key issues we should be aware of? Thanks, Michael. These elections are crucial for a variety of reasons. In Bangladesh, the ruling Awami League Party's campaign to silence dissent is pushing the country towards a one-party state. Prime Minister Sheikh Hasina is likely to be re-elected for a fourth consecutive term, 
despite accusations of poll rigging and deadly violence during the last election. That's quite concerning. How about Pakistan? What's the situation there? In Pakistan, former Prime Minister Imran Khan is currently behind bars, facing charges of fraud and revealing state secrets, which he claims are politically motivated. The country is also dealing with an acute economic crisis and frequent militant attacks. The political scene is further stirred up by the return of former Prime Minister Nawaz Sharif after nearly four years in self-exile. Moving on to India, it's expected to head to the polls in the spring. What can we expect? India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi is likely to secure a rare third term in power. Despite criticisms of majoritarian policies and censorship, Modi has managed to tighten his grip on India's democratic institutions. However, Indian politics remain unpredictable, and much can change as the parties gear up to campaign in the months ahead. And finally, Sri Lanka. The country has been grappling with its worst economic crisis in decades. What's the situation there? Sri Lanka's President Gotabaya Rajapaksa was forced to resign after angry protests over the country's economic crisis. His successor, President Ranil Wickremesinghe, has delayed the polls due to the economic crisis. However, he's likely to stand for a second term after securing a loan from the International Monetary Fund and making sweeping budget reforms. It's clear that these elections will be a significant test for democracy in South Asia. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now that wraps up our stories for today, and we look forward to bringing you more updates tomorrow on Current Radio.